From the Heritage Foundation, I'm Tim Descher, and this is Heritage Explains. D.C. is quiet right now. Government-mandated closures and limitations on business have halted this once vibrant city to... Okay, maybe it's not that bad. But it's still very quiet. In addition to the limitations brought on by COVID... I'm sure you've seen the photos of razor wire fencing surrounding the Capitol building and, of course, the brave National Guard posted up. It screams to the average citizen, stay out. One place that isn't closed is Congress. In fact, they're very much open and moving quickly to pass laws that have a massive impact on our nation. This means we have several reasons to press in and continue to hold them accountable. Most recently, we have 1.9 trillion reasons to hold them accountable. We're on the verge of what could be a major economic boost in this country as President Biden prepares to sign the $1.9 trillion bill he's calling the American Rescue Plan. If you look at this vote, and you look at what is in this COVID bill that Abby just outlined before, you understand this isn't transitional. This is transformational. Mr. President, it's been a long day, a long night, a long year, but a new day has come. And we tell the American people, help is on the way. I promised the American people that help was on the way. Today, I can say we've taken one more giant step forward in delivering on that promise that help is on the way. Help is on the way. It's a good phrase, but it requires us to accept the premise that spending $1.9 trillion will actually help the Americans that need help. So how will this money be spent? How much will be used for COVID-19 relief? What about all the other money we have spent to help Americans during COVID? This week, we talked to David Ditch. He works in the Herman Center for the federal budget here at the Heritage Foundation. On this episode, he talks about the deeply flawed COVID-19 package and how instead of addressing actual recovery with temporary and targeted spending to provide things like testing and vaccine distribution, it's a wasteful spending bill that prioritizes the left's pet projects. But first, I wanted to ask you to hit that like button, hit that subscribe button, or leave us a comment wherever you listen to the podcast. I know each week we ask you to do this, but really never explain why it's so important. Well, it is indeed important because each rating and review gives the podcast a small bump that pushes us higher in the rankings. The higher we're ranked, the more exposure we get, and the more we're able to educate on these important issues. 
So thank you so much for your continued loyalty and thank you for helping us grow. Go ahead, hit the pause button, go like, go share, and leave us a comment right now. I'll give you a second. Okay, let's get into the interview. David, I heard that this is your first time at the Heritage Foundation in almost a year. Yeah, it's been kind of crazy. I've been working remote. Yeah. I, you know, the last time I was downtown, it wasn't in lockdown like we're under siege. Yeah, and there wasn't fencing and razor wire around the Capitol. It's mind-boggling. <laughs> well, welcome home. It's good to have you here. Okay, so let's get into this. This is a bad, bad, bad spending bill, and it's $1.9 trillion. That, that's an astronomical amount of money. <laughs> that's a million bajillion dollars. You can't, you can't wrap your head around it unless you break it down a little bit. I wonder if lawmakers could actually pass that. We're going to pass a million bajillion dollars for COVID relief. Maybe that could be the, the they're, bill. <laughs> they're going to try. <laughs> Go, well, let's get into this here. Start us out here. Um Start us off as to how much money we've spent so far on COVID and then what this money is going to be spent on. So Congress has already approved about $4 trillion in COVID relief. That's over $30,000 per household. About $1 trillion of that is still in the process of actually going out the door. Holy crap. And this bill would add another 15000 in spending Per household. Wait, so what do we need to spend more money on if we have a trillion dollars just sitting there? I mean, couldn't that trillion dollars be spent on the stuff that the $1.9 trillion is supposed to be spent on? The funny thing is that Congress did something similar to that just a couple months ago. They took a pot of money that wasn't going to be spent very well, at least they thought, and they used that to cover most of the new spending that went out the door in just in December – they could look at the trillion dollars and say, oh, a lot of that is loan programs that either maybe they don't think they're important. Maybe they don't think they're going to be spent. They could redirect some of that funding and point it at priorities. But they have no appetite for anything that might potentially reduce spending right now. Interesting. So basically the answer is there is no reason. They're just passing more money to spend more money. That's the goal ultimately. Wow. So, um, okay, yeah, so $1.9 trillion, it kind of sends a message, you know, we're serious about the pandemic, I guess. So, so talk about how serious about the pandemic this bill actually is. If you were passing a bill based on the fact that we're in the middle of a pandemic, I think you would want to have more than a single-digit percentage of that money actually going towards pandemic relief. Um, a lot of estimates are putting that number around like 9% of the spending is public health spending. I went through line by line. I think it's closer to 5%. Wait, so 5% of 1.9, almost $2 trillion, 5% of that goes to COVID relief yeah, or anything related to COVID. Yeah, I mean, in that amount, you're talking about vaccines, vaccine distribution, testing, VA system. And then past that, a lot of it is just sort of subsidizing the healthcare industry. Here at Heritage, we're all about opening up the economy. Um, we want to open up the economy. We think we can do it safely. We, can, we think that that's the way back. Yeah. Part of that is getting kids back to school. Does this bill help kids get back to school? And again, that's one of the supposed justifications. that They want to spend $170 billion in this bill 
to, quote unquote, help reopen schools. The thing is, we've already spent tens of billions of dollars on reopening schools to the point where nonpartisan analysts are saying that more money in this bill is going to be spent four, five, six years from now than is going to be spent now because school districts can't spend the money fast enough that they already have. This is a handout to the very same teachers unions that in many parts of the country are dragging their feet on reopening the schools. Yeah. And, and listen, I don't want to sound insensitive here. I, you know, many people have been adversely affected by COVID, but just, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about the current economic climate. Uh, I saw the jobs report that, that just came out pretty robust, pretty, pretty good jobs report. We, you know, we're seeing growth. You know, things seem to be doing fairly well considering all that we've been through the last year. With that in mind, $1.9 trillion seems – it seems overkill. It's frankly absurd. That amount of money might have made sense back in April. And we need to think back to what things were like in April. We had no idea how deadly these would be. We had no idea when we'd get vaccines. Unemployment spiked to 14.8 percent, the highest since the Great Depression. And the federal government passed the CARES Act, which was $2.3 trillion. It was designed to throw a bunch of money at fighting the pandemic, a bunch of money to put a floor under the economy. I think we could have spent less to have the same effect, a lot less. But the fact is it passed. And now we can look at what's happening on the disease front. Hospitalizations in just the last two months are down 70 percent thanks to the vaccines. Unemployment is down by over half from where it was last April. Nothing about what's happening today is a crisis. It's a challenge that we can manage but we don't need to be spending huge amounts of money to deal with it. Yeah, huge amounts of money. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this. And, you know, at Heritage, we cover, we cover debt and deficit so well. Um, you guys are just aces on covering it. I just wanted to put into context a little bit of where we are before this $1.9 trillion and where we will be after this $1.9 trillion. And what that means long term for everyday Americans. Right now, the total national debt is $28 trillion with a T. You're talking about $225,000 in debt per household. Wow. And that's before this bill gets passed. And unfortunately, things don't look better in the long term, even before the pandemic. Analysis showed that we were going to have trillion-dollar deficits every single year for as far as we can see because, unfortunately, too many benefit programs are designed in an unsustainable way. Talk about some of the – just get a little bit more into the money that's already been spent – uh, through the CARES Act and through through uh, other spending at a federal level, and now you have this $1.9 trillion. Is there a chance that some of this money is going to go back to taxpayers? I mean, you said there's a trillion dollars that hasn't been spent yet from previous uh, spending. Is there a chance that they just, you know, oh, well, we've, we've done our job and we're just going to send this back to the taxpayers? Unfortunately, no. Uh, the, the closest thing we're going to get to 
quote-unquote money giving back to the taxpayers is the $1,400 individual checks that, again, are supposedly justified as a way to, to juice the economy. Well, we already saw what would happen because they already sent out two rounds of checks to individuals last year. And what happened was you saw a big spike in personal savings and in people paying off their personal debts. Right. Now, that's a responsible way to take in some extra money that you weren't expecting for yourself, for your family. But that's not a good reason to add to the federal debt. And that's what happened, by the way, when unemployment was in mu was much higher than it is now, when the economy is, was in worse shape, it was more locked down. These $1,400 checks are more likely to go into personal debt reduction, more likely to be saved, and less likely to go back into the economy. Let's break this down for people uh, from my hometown in Lake Orion. Um, just, just to put it in context for them, you know, one point nine, you know, four trillion. How, I mean, this is so much money. It's yeah. just you're throwing numbers around. You know, uh, it's just a bunch of money. What does it mean for someone in Lake Orion, Michigan, to have this money? Because again, you know, it's so much. Where does it all go? It's got to go out to the people. Is it going to road projects? Is it going to pension funds? Is it where, where is it going? If you actually break down where the money is going, some of it is going towards massively expanding the welfare system, which might or might not become a permanent growth of the federal government. But then when you start digging into it even a little bit below the surface, you find one massive handout after another for left-leaning constituencies. Wow. Big chunk, $350 billion, that's over $1,000 for every American. It's going to state and local governments. Okay, yeah, we have to talk about this because that's been the the right's big pushback. You know, we're sending – we're going to bail out poorly managed states. What does that mean? It means that even though state and local governments got – 10 times more money than they actually needed already. We're going to give them even more than they got in 2020. That's going to come with some strings attached. So, for example, Majority Leader Schumer made sure to say that you can't take this money and use it to cut taxes, even though that would actually help stimulate the economy. Wow. No, you have to spend it on X, Y, and Z. Well, what a lot of governments are probably going to do is say, OK, we're going to cut the money we were going to spend on those things and we're going to use it to spend on our own priorities. So the uh, money is fungible <laughs> yeah. idea. Yeah, sure. I'm wondering, as a, as a cynical person, as my dad always told me, you're, you're far too young to be so cynical, son. But that's who I am. I'm nervous that this passing this. Um, for at least the next two years, the Democrats will have control. I'm nervous that this will just this just opens up a path for another bill just like this down the road. What what are your thoughts on that? They're looking at a bunch of different things. Uh, one uh, thing they want to do is take the various entitlement program expansions that are in this bill and make them permanent, and right. that would more than double the cost of this bill, which wow. is already far too big. Another thing they're looking to do is to spend trillions of dollars on, quote unquote, infrastructure, <laughs> again, supposedly to ju juice the economy, but in reality, mostly going to benefit a handful of left-leaning constituencies. 
And uh, so it'd be like the stimulus back during back during 2008, 2009, where Joe Biden was in was in charge of distributing all the money, but it never really went anywhere. <laughs> and on the one and, and you're left with, with, with two bad options. Either they just put this on the national credit card, which is already overloaded, or as Senator Manchin has been saying, what he'd like to do is get rid of all the 2017 tax cuts and use that to pay for more federal spending. Yeah. That definitely would not help juice the economy. Yeah. Well, there is so much bad in this. I, I will say the one good thing uh, that, that we can say that Heritage had a huge part and we considered a big victory is the fact that the $15 minimum wage was taken out of this bill. How did that happen? There's a lot of technicalities that took place in the Senate yeah. that the uh, majority said, OK, well, because of these technicalities, we can't have the $15 minimum wage. The reality is that multiple Democratic senators knew that if you applied a $15 minimum wage to their states, that it would seriously damage the economy, especially sure. you look at a state like West Virginia, which is a place with lower wages but also much lower cost of living. You don't need $15 an hour to get by Put a roof over your head in West Virginia the way you might in places like New York City, Washington, D.C., and San Francisco. And unfortunately, so many members of Congress who do come from those places imagine that everywhere is New York, that everywhere is San Francisco. But if you applied a $15 minimum wage to a place like West Virginia, that would be the equivalent of an economic nuclear bomb. David, listen, I want to thank you so much for coming in today. You, um, it's, it's been a while since you've been at Heritage, and, and I just wanted to say welcome home, and thank you for tracking this, and we'll stay in touch. Thanks for having me. And thank you so much for listening to another episode of Heritage Explains. Go over to the show notes. I've linked to all of the relevant information that puts context onto this massive issue. Look, this is a huge huge big deal 1.9 trillion dollar package in congress there's a lot of waste there's a lot of stuff to be aware of so educate yourself so that you can go out and educate others michelle's up next week and we'll see you then Heritage Explains is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is produced by Michelle Cordero and Tim Desher, with editing by John Pop.